I don't think it's healthy, but I think we as communicators connect identity so much to it. And, you know, I think the average pastor has an expectation of preaching, which I don't think is, I don't think that needs to be true, but um, I think that's there. Like if you're a bad preacher and a pastor, for a lot of people who grew up in the church, it's like, how can that even, both of those things be true at the same time? Like I'm a great pastor and a bad preacher. It's like, that's impossible. (laughs) You know, it's like, no, it's actually not. But I think, I just think identity is tied to it in the same way, you know, somebody who does real estate, if, you know, if you said to him, you're terrible at selling houses, it's like, that's going to feel offensive because that's what I do. That's like what I want to be good at. That's, you know, how people see me, you know, like our church, you know, sees me for a little bit of the week and it's when I'm doing public communication. So if I'm not doing a good job, it feels like, you know, how could they even follow me as a leader? Hey, I'm Chad. And I'm Jason, and we're talking all things church planting. Sharing stories and strategies to help you reach your city. This is the Send Columbus Podcast. Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, Last time we were joined by uh, Luke Peterson and Dwight Peterson, and we had so much content that we decided to split this into two podcasts. Yeah, it turned into an hour-long conversation. Who knew? Who knew? (laughs) But it was really great. Really, really good content, content, and uh, I think it'll be super beneficial to uh, to the listeners. Yeah, so. so I hope you enjoy part two. So some of these questions, like like the five areas, again, true, but we've attached kind of a question to help us think through it. So mm-hmm. like true is, is it accurate? Um, and we think both biblically, factually, and, and exegetically for those. Um, one of the things that I have always, like, it's always, like, caught my radar is when I think people have said something that's not even spiritual or about the Bible, that's just not true. Like, you know, well, we all know everybody in Columbus, like, you know, fill in the blank. And it's right. like, that's not even true. Like, we don't know that. Or yeah, know, or you say churches today tend to. Yeah. Or okay. Christians. And it's like, well, you're familiar with very few. And so, like, be careful with statements that are just factually incorrect. It's not even a spiritual thing. And then you know, biblically, is this actually what the Bible teaches? And exegetically, is it coming from the passage I'm teaching? It may be true, and the Bible may teach that, but is that particular text teaching that? Mm. Yeah, so that's kind of like the true category. Is it accurate is what we're thinking there. Clear, uh, the question is, is the main point obvious? Like Mm. when people walk away, have we muddied the waters? Have we, you know, just... Because I've heard preachers where it's like they've got a week full of study that they just dump everything they've learned about a particular thing down. And then by lunch, fortunately, my, you know, my wife, if she, if she's the average listener in our church, you know, like she doesn't have, you know, a Christian education. She's, you know, just like worked in the medical field. So like if by lunch, she doesn't really know what we talked about. It's like a really good indication that probably nobody does. Um, Cause she's more invested in my teaching, you know, than, than anybody, but you know, have we done things that have stripped away what, what I'm actually trying to say and driving people towards that's clear. Compelling is, does this motivate a response? Uh, like, am I actually moving people? And, um, and this is really towards the realizing that what can happen sometimes in, in, in the evangelical world I was in is the goal can become the transfer of information and the ascent to information. Yeah. And people can go out and say, here's the information I got today. 
yeah. as opposed to we need that, but what is it that I'm supposed to do? What is it that I'm supposed to feel? How am I supposed to react to that? That we don't just want to say true things that even somebody might say, wow, I never knew that. Right. You know, that's, you know, and I, that's one of the things I think too that I, that struck me is I think everything we see in the Bible, there's a reason why it's there. I've said at times that I don't think any writer sat down and said, you know what, I want people to have a correct view of the deity of Christ, so I'll write about the deity of Christ. What happened is there was something that was happening in his world that he connected to deity and said, I want to talk to these people about the deity of Christ because once they have a correct view of that, it will lead them to this behavior or treat this person different. And that's what we're trying to say, and that is, okay, what is it? That you, what's the outcome for that yeah. that is beyond I agree with you? Yeah, just don't engage people's minds. You're trying to engage their heart too. And it's not an yeah. either or. Yeah. You know, you can't yeah. move somebody's heart if they haven't gotten what you're saying. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. yeah. You know, which is, again, one of those view of all communication. You know, the guy that wants to talk to you about a truck is trying to get you to believe that this is – the right truck so that you will ultimately do that, not going home and saying to your wife, man, honey, you can't believe what's true about these trucks. And, and that's what we're trying to do is learn how to say it clearly and say, you know, this. And that's what that helped me because they say you want people to walk away motivated to read the Bible. So if you concentrate and speak about one reason, they can go away and that one reason will accomplish that, and they'll remember that reason forever, as opposed to going away saying, what'd you get today? That there's a lot of reasons why I should read the Bible. That, that most people probably already know, and they're still not, right. you know? So even well, under what, compelling... What was, what was the fourth one? What was the fourth thing <laughs> that you... Oh. The, what was the sermon that you... Yeah. Well, the it's other upcoming, yeah. but the, what's the, oh, the fourth yeah. thing we told you, like just it, to, it, the Bible will enable you to do self-assessment. Oh, okay. It's from uh, one of the passages was Ephesians, I mean, uh, Hebrews four. And what mm-hmm. they challenged me to talk about, because that's what I was thinking is I, one of the real heartbeats I have always had in ministry was how insecure we all are. Yeah. And so when you say self-assessment, everybody gets nervous but self-assessment, I think, is the most important skill. Well, but think about if that's true, then the Bible, if I'm doing self-assessment, then it's going to increase my security because I'm going to realize who God says I am. Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to enable me to feel significant because I read the Bible that will tell me I have gifts, I have abilities. It will give me an ability to realize that I'm forgiven, that I'm loved. So all our insecurities are built on the fact that we don't have an honest view of ourselves and an honest view of ourselves come from the scripture. So that was going to be point four. <laughs> now, again, think about how muddied and the power of point four goes. If you've heard this reason, that reason, this reason, and then you get to point it's 25 four. minutes in or you know something yeah. like that. Yeah. And that's, that's what good. one of the Kyle, one of the guys who was in the room say, I just would love to hear you for 30 minutes talk about what I know for you is something you care deeply about and them walk away. And the minute they connect insecurities, they can connect to, I need to spend more time reading the Bible so I can understand what God says is true about me. That's good. 
Yeah, in, in each of these five things, we kind of took a full communication lab and just like did some, you know, did some teaching. So kind of all of them you could like click on and talk more about like compelling, you know, we have like delivery and transitions and passion, tone, tension, stories, humor, like all that type of stuff to, to help. Because really we not only needed to, you know, talk to our staff about like, hey, be more compelling, but like, how do I even create something that's more compelling? Like when I sit down, open up a document, like what do I, what do I do to be compelling? So We've tried to enter in with people on that, but then concise is just, is this the appropriate length? Um, it doesn't necessarily need to be short, but is it, is it appropriate? Um, and again, this was helpful to me because I was, came from a world where I would make a statement and then I, exaggeration, but I would feel like I got to give 25 verses yeah. to defend <laughs> what I just said. Yeah. yeah. But the question would be, is that necessary? And in certain audiences, it's not. Mm-hmm. You know, in certain audiences, I could say, you know, Jesus said this, and I don't have to say, and he said it here and this, and he said it here and this, and he said it here and this. And just helping us think, you know, is appropriate was the key word for us. It's good. Because, again, sometimes appropriate's five minutes. Sometimes appropriate's 30 we also have like in each individual, it's like one of the questions we've asked is how many minutes good are you? Um, because is <laughs> yeah. it an appropriate length is yeah. <laughs> from preaching? I think it's different for different preachers, even stylistically, it could be different. Like how you preach, you know, could lower, you know, the appropriate length or extend it. <laughs> and for our, you know, even yeah. shepherding moments for worship, it's like, you know, unfortunately, there's a certain window that people are going to buy into that moment, you know, before they're just like waiting for the next song. Right. Um, I remember when I was again, and I did business and professional communication as a major, and they talked about that uh, the length is beyond your level of knowledge. Hmm. When you've gotten to the point that you you really know what you're talking about, stop. Hmm. Because you can keep talking about things and eventually you... You're way past your ability to understand and know what you're talking about. I think okay. I think Spurgeon said, like, the longer you go in his mind, the more unprepared you are. Um, because your editing ability has not been really put forth, you know, where it's like you're just going off and talking about all kinds of stuff. That's true for me. Like, if I go over 40 minutes, typically, it's because I, I don't have a great review of of what's in my notes. Um, and so I'm not intentionally leaving some things out yeah. because I don't exactly know what's in there, but, um, so that's how, if I'm really prepared, uh, honestly, like my sermon gets a little bit shorter. Yeah. So, uh, and then the final one's Christ centered. Are people moved to worship? Um, kind of one of the markers we have is kind of like the pens go down and the eyes come up moment, uh, yeah. is, is what we've heard. That's what Martin Lloyd Jones says it. It's like, this is the moment when pens go down and eyes come up. Mm. Um, and so we, we try and be really creative in like gospel pathways. Like that's what we, we talked about that this week. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where every gospel pathway is not just saying like, you know, Jesus forgave your sins or Jesus is the example of what I'm saying. There's like using the language of the text to really creatively say really powerful things. Like an example we, we even talked about, um, you know, it's like you could say, you know, sinful people come to Jesus and get your sins forgiven. Or you could use, uh, you know, what I have of, of um, Peter at the end 
uh, of, you know, Jesus's time on earth. He's betrayed him and he jumps in the boat and swims to his feet. And it's like, you know, so for me, when I preached that text, it was like, you know, swimming to Jesus's feet was more of the pathway language I was trying to use instead of just like, go to Jesus and find forgiveness and grace. Um, so that's what we try and do with a lot of our communication. It's like, create some creativity in the gospel pathway, not like, you know, I think there's good ones where you're, you're, you are saying true gospel truth. I think there's great ones where you're saying good gospel truth woven in the, in the language of the text that's, you know, creative. And, and, and part of what uh, happens with here too, that I, that's been amazing for me. I've never been in a context where it's this thought out is because we have all that we speak. And then there's two or three songs after we're done preaching and they are always connected to what they heard. Yeah. And so part of, again, this has been super helpful for me, is when I'm done speaking, what am I saying that motivates them out of a heart of this truth, motivates them to engage in that song and worship in that song? And it's amazing how when you, you know, they don't know the message, but they're singing songs that are around that. Then there's three songs after it's just uh, that that statement to me, I remember Luke saying to me, well, here's what I want you to think about, Dad, is uh, they're going to sing three songs. What have you said that moves their heart, not just to sing, but to sing with emotion and passion because of something that they've heard is, uh, you know, again, has been super helpful to me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, another thing we've said is like, we don't want people just to take notes, but to be able to sing a song as well, like move to a point where it's just like, give me Jesus and I want to respond and we're going to give you that opportunity, Yeah, you know? Um, so that, that's kind yeah. of the living document that we hope continues to get better. And even as new staff comes in, it's like we, we anticipate probably with new staff going through, you know, this pretty regularly, but the regular rhythm of communication lab is more evaluation, kind of looking back for an hour and then. Yeah, we had to do the original teaching. Now, teaching this material will be the onboarding process Mm. so that we can uh, then do it. But I will tell you that this does take, you know, it would be impossible to do what we're talking about if you don't have the, if you don't make the priority to meet and talk. Right. The worship guy has to know and participate what's going on to create a service that from announcement to shepherding to everything is a central theme that we're just passing right through. And it, which is why, you know, fortunately, I'm in a place where, you know, the, the pastor is saying, the lead pastor is saying, this is important enough that we're going to take the time to do this. We're all going to do this. We're all going to know. And um, it's just really, even for me, who's been around church forever, it's so moving whether I'm speaking or not speaking. Because I was always a guy that would feel like, man, I wish people could have sung what we just sang, knowing what I'm going to say. But I was in the sing the songs, preach the message, pray and go home. Yep. And this is, this is, we do the most singing after but again, it's it's reinforcing what they've just heard, which is just really amazingly powerful. And, we, and we've yeah. talked on the front. I think we may even spend a whole week on why why is it important to be a good communicator, especially in our line of work. It's like, 
communication. It's like rise or fall in communication. I mean, the Bible is communication. So, you know, we talk about why is it important? What does the Bible have to say about communication? And um, to try and raise the standard of like, I know this might be uncomfortable, but, you know, I, I hope, you know, for Kyle, like he's incredible, but I hope in 10 years he's even better and his shepherding moments are even more powerful and even more moving. And we're not going to get there if we're not actually talking about it and having legitimate eyes on, you know, what he's doing and he's hearing real feedback in, in measurable, not like, yeah, it was like pretty good or yeah, great job. You know, it was like, no, I think, I think it was a little, you know, like lacked some clarity or yeah. I think it was a little long. And again, it's the beauty of it is it, it's not, you know, it's not personality or style driven. The fact of the matter is, because we're, st- we're stylistically different. Yes, you may. I was just going to say you may sound. You might say, "Well, I can hear his, you know, mannerisms or whatever." But Luke is a very different style than I am, and Harrison, who is the college pastor, is different yet. And he's the guy that, uh, you know, we've worked at that because we all know we're terrible trying to be somebody we're not, and trying to do well what we don't have a skill to do. And, and it's been so exciting for us to watch him grow and develop being who God's made him to be and finding his communication style and say, okay, you need to, in your style, in your personality, still accomplish these things. But it's going to look very different than it is for me at 63, who, you know, is going to sound different. Yeah, yeah we, we had somebody come in this past semester who heard Harrison's first sermon and they heard him speak this past semester. And they, they sent me a text during salt company and were just like, what happened? Like, wow. who is this guy? And, you <laughs> know, I good. said, you know, he's put in a lot of work. He's been really hungry for it. And he's been on the ground with people. Like he knows these students. And so it has allowed him to speak towards them. He knows what's going on. So, you know, his time on the ground has really served him well, but he's, he's put in a lot of, energy and effort and is hungry for it and has gotten feedback and he's just grown tons. Cool. And, so. and in his case, the, one of the, he would say one of the most simple things that has radically helped him is he would say five true things. But what we tried to help him do is learn how to connect all five of those things to one thing. Mm-hmm. Because you could go away and say, okay, what did they talk about? And everybody could give one of those five things and it would be true. But there's a reason why you said the, you know, two, three, four, and five, and just some, you know, it's not like he has to completely change his message. It's just sometimes about adding a transition statement or saying, hey, let me illustrate that with a story or whatever. And, you know, it's been, uh, you know, really exciting to watch him grow. It's sort of like being a coach and watching somebody be successful. It just is fun for all of us to do that. Well, I really love how you guys are just providing opportunities for people to develop. And uh, like I said, I think, I think I'm hopeful that maybe, you know, some people would hear this and and try to take those, those steps as well. A couple of, couple of follow-up questions. I don't know if you had any, uh, Jason, but I was curious just for you guys personally, kind of been asking everybody this, uh, what do you take with you to, to when you speak? Do you do, you know, notes wise and do you do like an outline or a manuscript or what do you what do you do 
uh, from that. I manuscript yeah. everything. Okay. Um, how many, I, well, how I don't. I don't manuscript like illustrations or stories. Okay. But I do everything else. How many pages are you taking up there? Are you. Uh, I have a, an iPad, um, and I would say probably be, it's probably between seven and ten. Okay. Pages of notes. It. Um, that's that's what we have everybody do. E- even if they're going to do like a, you know, a shepherding moment, it's they're like manuscripting it. Part of that is, it it helps them edit really well um especially in the early days where it's like you you're just going to trust to say all the right things about this bullet point it's like we actually are it's too important and you hold spiritual weight by being up there so we're just not even going to trust you you got to like get it down yeah. um so i manuscript and then i just bring up my ipad i if you looked at our notes you would think we did completely different things <laughs> but i manuscript in an outline form okay yeah. My fear is that I'm going to be telling something and maybe got ahead of myself. Now I don't know where I am <laughs> right. on this. Which I have tons. I have tons of headings, yeah. you know, and and bold and some different colors like reds, transition statements. I got a nail. Purple is an illustration. That type of thing. But because um, I don't want to lose, you know, you don't want to get lost. That's a bad. Yeah. It's a bad feeling. Or it looked like you're reading. That was another so, thing. Yeah. Do I, you take an iPad up? Thing. I do take an iPad. And it took me a while. <laughs> I was Is terrified. it going to glitch? You had to get yeah. it over. Is it like, going to glitch? Yeah. <laughs> then I took the iPad, but I had my paper notes next to me. And now I uh, have an iPad. The comfortability. And now I'm too, I do, because part of it is, is not a commercial, but uh, I was. Um, that was the other change for me. I was a Microsoft guy for my whole life. Yeah. Came here 18 months ago. Everything has to be Apple. Yeah. But the thing I do love about it that gives me some security is the ecosystem. So even if my iPad glitched, it's possible my phone or whatever. But I'm not. I use an iPad. And what has been new to me is also in the within the iPad, uh, including more and more scripture. Yeah, has been helpful. And you can you can make like notes with like an right. Apple pencil or whatever. How how, uh, how many pages is that? I would say about his seven Similar. or eight. But it's more of an outline than a, than a manuscript. It, it's, yeah, but it's paragraphs of how I would say the outline. Yeah. And that kind of, it's but, pretty funny how different people's notes look. It is, right? It, you know, crazy. one of the communication things I had been taught, and I sort of do the outline, is that you might have a three-by-five card with important words that help you remember what you were going to say. So that's what you would see throughout my thing is, you know, bolded red thing, uh, cue words, if you were, yeah. a cue card that helps me stay on track. I'm probably, if you watched us, I would appear to be, which I probably am a little bit more notes dependent. Uh, Luke is a lot less than I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, I find that what happens is a lot of times I will get away from it and talk, but the security blanket is always there. Right. I'm terrified it took me a while, even in, uh, you know, I would want to write down, and even when I'm going to close the service, have my mm-hmm. notes there. And Luke really wanted it to come more and more from my heart. It took me a while yeah. to go up there without terrified that I'm going to look at a group of people and say, um, that was good. Okay, let's pray. <laughs> but I have written down. Part of that was I communication lab, though, because I yeah. said, you're a great pastor and a shepherd, and you just have an opportunity postured as a listener to close our service down and shepherd this room. Like yeah, it was very time. much, in fact, that was basically the exact words. You're trying to write out what you want to say. 
you have a pastor's heart, just go up there and from your heart say, here's what you need to have heard and here's what you need to do. And it's, again, it was, it's been great for me to, to do that. Yeah. Cool. Do you have a follow-up question? Sure. You want to preach a message and then you can come to communication. Uh, <laughs> I think there's a lot of other things I'd rather do. Than that. <laughs> um, yeah, my question was, well, first of all, is there a way that our planters or whoever's listening could get access? Oh, yeah, totally. To that? Yeah, that'd totally. be cool. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know, like maybe we can put your email or something in the notes yeah, or something yeah, like that. Absolutely. Um, I've sent it. I've sent it out before and. And, and we, again, we hope this gets better. So, you know, if somebody gets it and then wants to adjust it and make, that's great. You know, take it and use it however you sure. want. Yeah, my, my uh, second question is, you guys are lucky because you have a lot of people on your staff. Now, not every church planter has, you know, five or six people that can get together and talk about mm-hmm. um, those kinds of things. So what advice would you give somebody who's maybe... Uh, a church planter and has maybe maybe it's just them and the worship pastor. Mm-hmm. How would they go about providing that level of feedback uh, to each other to uh, kind of improve their organization? Yeah, I, I would say ask specific questions uh, to people that are like in the audience. I, like I I would suggest saying like helping people give you good feedback, not like hey, how do you think I did, but like. Hey, I was really trying to be clear about this point. Do you think I was, do you think that point was very clear? Or do you think, you know, maybe talk about those five things. At least those five things are helpful for us. You you know, you could potentially come up with better ones or different ones, but you know, what did I do best? What did I do worse? Get actual legitimate opinions um, instead of just like a general feedback. I think you'll get more like general answers that are less helpful with general questions. Yeah. And we tend to, Get, try to get feedback from the people that are going to tell us what we want to hear. Yeah, that we did a great job. So I think the two most important things they need to do is pick people who are going to tell them the truth. But also, whether it's these five or something, a clear criteria. It's not how did I do. So somebody it's, can... Do you think this was too long? Yeah, I have a buddy who's in that situation. Who's in that situation, and he created an evaluation sheet... That, and he has like three businessmen in his church. And he asked them, okay, how did I do in these areas? So that they can know, you know, for instance, to say it was it was clear, but it wasn't concise. Yeah. You know, you went 54 minutes, you could have done that in 34. And my wife had, has no idea what you said, you know, that type of thing. Yeah. It's <laughs> helpful to hear. But honest, <laughs> honest feedback is the key. And I might add a third be open to the fact that you have ways to improve. Yeah. 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 So why, why do you think there's a lot of insecurity when it comes to people in their communication? Cause I, why, why do you think it, people take it so personal, you know, the, the getting feedback or thinking that they have growth areas. Like, I just feel like for some reason I feel like it's like the preaching is like, well, God has called me and he gave me this message. Who, how, how dare you tell me that it needs to be better, you know, or like you said, I have rightly expo- exposited the word. <laughs> what else could there be to improve upon? You know what I mean? Why, why do you think that, that there's that kind of thing? Or do you see that? Do you yeah, see no, that? I, I do. I, I do. I, I think, I don't think it's healthy, but I think we as communicators connect identity so much to it. And 
you know, I think the average pastor has an expectation of preaching, which I don't think is, I don't think that needs to be true, but um, I think that's there. Like if you're a bad preacher and a pastor for a lot of people who grew up in the church, it's like, well, how can that even both of those things be true at the yeah. same time? Like I'm a great pastor and a bad preacher. It's like, that's impossible. You know, it's like, no, it's actually not. Um, yeah. But I think, I just think identity is tied to it in the same way, you know, somebody who does real estate, if, you know, if you said to him, you're terrible at selling houses, it's like, that's going to feel offensive because that's what I do. That's like yeah. what I want to be good at. That's, yeah. you know, how people see me, you know, like our church, you know, sees me for a little bit of the week and it's when I'm doing public communication. So if I'm not doing a good job, it feels like, you know, how could they even follow me as a leader? And yeah, we, we see along with that is we see a pattern in the scripture that God, that Jesus chose, you know, Paul chose based on potential. So it, it's not, you know, the disciples weren't called because they had no room for growth. They had no room for um, improvement. They had some raw ability. And I think part of the insecurity is in light of what you said, that it's like, okay, God called me to this. So he must feel, no, he called you to this but I still have a responsibility to, as it were, hone my craft. Yeah. To get better and better and better. None of us have arrived and been perfect. We can all improve. And I think that, uh, and I think, I sometimes wonder too, if that we've made the debates about preaching so much about, um, you know, philosophy and style that it then is easy for me to interpret that you didn't think I do a good job because you have this style or that, and it, it makes us insecure to be able to judge that, okay, like I said, okay, yeah, you were true to the text, but nobody has any idea what you were saying yeah, or what the point was. They can go away and identify. It reminds me of uh, I, a lot of my early teaching, I used a lot of Ken Davis's stuff. And he talked about, you know, he would go to people and say, how, how did he do? He was great. Well, what was he great about? He was deep. Okay, well, what did he say? Deep stuff, <laughs> really, really deep stuff. Yeah. And I think people then in light of that judge, when they hear that, they're judging, think you're saying to them that you said incorrect things. Because the only important thing is, did I communicate truth? Right. Right. But what they're saying is, it was, like to me, you know, this group of young people is saying, you're saying true things. You're just not saying them in a way that, that is most effective here. And if you would do these things, you would still say the same things, but be even more effective. And yeah. again, what I'm learning is, it's not only more effective in a church plant situation where a lot of people uh, come in here and have, don't know anything about the Bible, it's not like I can't preach that same message at a seminary chapel and it connect just equally with those guys mm. because they walk away with something. Um, and so, but, but... And you said effective, which I, I feel challenged by even recently, is I don't, I don't just want to be a great communicator. I want to be like an effective, a fruitful communicator. And I just think like that that's true outside of the church is like, being better at communication actually allows you to be more fruitful and more effective, which is yeah. which is our goal, not just that 
you know, more people call me good than bad, it's that people are actually moved the right direction because I communicated as we're trying to. Appreciate you guys taking time to drive up here and share your heart and share what you're doing. Well, I got super great. <laughs> you got Panda. Is that what you got? <laughs> Hope you made him pay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks, guys. Yeah.